can I bring a bird into this situation? Hey, Michelle. Hey, Geordie. How are ya? I'm great. I'm, great. I'm bloody great. I'm bloody bonza. <laughs> uh, can you believe? Yes. It is nearly next year. No, I can't. It has flown by. <laughs> really? No, it has. It. The whole thing, the whole year has gone by in the blink of an eye. Time flies when you're having fun. Well, we started the year still in a pandemic and look at us now. Did we? I don't even remember that. You see, you see, everyone's forgotten. But mm. yes, we started the year in pandemic times and now no one gives a shit. No one gives a shit. But one thing I hope that you people listening give a shit about is listening to eavesdropping because that's what you're doing right now. Yes, you are actually officially eavesdropping and I'm Geordie. And I'm Michelle. And I think your official title is you're an eavesdropper. Eavesdropper. That's my party sounds because it's almost time for parties. It is New Year's parties. What are you wearing? What am I wearing right now? No, not now. I can see what you're wearing. <laughs> no, to the party. Are you going to a party? Uh, I haven't actually organised that. And to be fair, I'm probably going to be working. That is how exciting oh. my New Year's Eve is going to be. So T and A. Tits and arse, yeah? Tits and No, I'm going to be in. To get all those tips. A. I'm going to be. Oh, God. <laughs> well, I'm not, I don't work at Hooters. What are you talking about? <laughs> No, I'm going to be, I'll be in an A. I'll be in an apron, An probably. apron, washing pots. Oh, that's my life. Oh, it's glamorous. I know people think we do live the glamorous life, don't they? But uh, actually, you know, she's working at Hooters pot- washing pots. <laughs> that's worse things. Now, tell me about your party. Well, I'm going to a party dressed as a rock star gone feral. That is the actual invitation. Okay. Rockstar gone feral. And I was told that that would entail, for example, she said, our host S, she said, for example, you could be Kate Bush lost in the Australian outback, or you could be David Bowie lost in Funland, Ulladulla. Do you know what that is? (laughs) I do because I'm Australian, (laughs) but people do not. It's an amusement centre on top of some shops. (laughs) Where there's a little Dodgems area. I used to love going to Funland, Ulladulla. It's so shit. It's a cheap day out. It's so, it's so shit. shit. There's a cha-cha or a waltzer or whatever you call it. There's a few like, you know, little rides and things for you to put lots of money into. Yes. So imagine David Bowie lost in Funland, Ulladulla. So I'm going to try and come up with that for my husband's outfit. I see. That would be great. I can imagine your husband as David Bowie. I'm really hoping I've got the kind of the idea right because I'm not sure so I'm going to go as Stevie Nicks at the St John's Ambulance tent at the Cambridge Folk Festival somewhere I've been before I love both it St John's Ambulance tent and the Cambridge Folk Festival I love it does that mean you have to have some kind of bandage bandage possibly yes like a head with wound. some tomato sauce yeah. coming out amazing that's a good idea but I don't know if I want to sully my outfit i know because i bet you're going to be all wonderful in flowing kimonos and things do have a kimono yes i do yes. To, bring, to wear a peach kimono or a golden and black and golden dress flowy so i can <gasps> flip it around like that oh and you then, could be my gypsy well that sounds brilliant i think you're going to have a much better party than me on new year's because yeah. 
Probably. Look, it's too bloody cold for a start to get dressed up. Mm. You know, it's already, it's minus 14 during the day in the village. And that's even... Add another t- minus 10 onto that to uh, oh, what if you're on dear. the mountain. Yeah, I know. Who needs it? I like it, but it's too cold for flowy kimonos. But let me tell you, Michelle, for those of us who aren't lucky enough to be going to a party, for example, they might be traveling. And I've got here Judy. Uh, oh, Judy's back. <laughs> Judy annual for girls from 1969. We have read out from oh. this before. What pearls of wisdom has Judy got for us? It's for people who might be travelling. There's some car games. Car games. Do you remember I asked you about this before? You said, oh, I'm terrible at card games. I said, no, it's car games, you silly one. It says here, you all know what it can be like on a long car journey. Not too bad if the scenery is interesting, but rather boring in flat country when it's pouring rain or after dark. Why not try out some of the car games here to help pass a weary journey? You've got this game which Paddy actually likes to play. It's called Word Game. And you watch passing cars for their registration letters. I hate this mm. game. He does it every time. <laughs> and I just think, shut up. Keep your eye on the road. The idea is to add more letters to the car registration to make a word. The registration letters must be kept in order. For instance, GNR could be made into general or gunner or even glandular. Get the idea? I'm not playing that oh game. Oh, my God. I much prefer Rate Your Roadkill. That's not on here. I've got this one called (laughs) Bang Snap. If dad's in a good mood and doesn't mind the noise, try this game. You need two players or two teams. Keep a watch on all the traffic going past. If you see a car the same make and model as your own, you shout bang. And if it's the same make and model of the colour, shout snap. First to get it scores two points. Deduct a point for the wrong shout. Mum can be referee while dad concentrates on his driving. I love the division of um, chores as well. Very traditional. Oh, yes. And only if dad doesn't get too cross. Well, that's why they said just watch out because daddy mm. might lose his shit. <laughs> I'll tell you the final one. It's a bit boring. Make a map. You know, if my kids were making a map looking down like this, they'd be vomiting within 10 minutes. Oh, God. For a quieter game on a country road, all you need is a pad of scrap paper and a sharp pencil. Hold the pencil very lightly and don't try to guide it at all. This sounds like it could be supernatural. <gasps> This is what the automatic writing. Automatic writing. I love it. You will find that with a very slight vibration of the car, the pencil traces a map on the paper. See if you can get a map that looks like a real country. This game works even better on a bus. <laughs> or with candlelight and a glass like a Ouija board. <laughs> and that's Car Games circa 1969. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Judy. Judy. She's full of wisdom, isn't she, that Judy? And traditional role models. Now, look, I'm actually a little distracted because I'm on my phone. Oh, who are you talking to? No one. I am about to read out a message from an eavesdropper. Ah, I love it when you write in. Uh, We do. We love it when you write in. Now, this message is from long-time eavesdropper Lucy Beacon. Hello and shout out to you, Lucy. Love you long time, Lucy B. We do. And also shout out to Jane and Lucy's sister because Jane also gets a little mention in this message. Does she? Okay, let's hear. So she says here, Hi, Michelle. How is life in the mountains? I am still loving eavesdropping. After the one about psychics, I thought I'd share something fun with you. Oh, my God. Me and my sister, Jane, 
And I will just say here, they are twins. They're twins. Yes, they look very alike. I know, it's crazy. But she says, me and my sister Jane have made a pact. When one of us passes over, the living one will go to the spiritualist medium, Deb Weber. I don't know Deb Weber. No. But I'm going to look, I, I think we should Google her, and I'll get back to you in an upcoming episode about okay. all the amazing stuff that Deb Weber does. Anyway, she says, she and Jane have a secret word that we're not telling anyone else. Oh. Whoever is dead will also find Deb Weber and will transmit the secret word. Mm. So the other twin will know absolutely because they've said cockatoo or pineapple tree or agadoo or whatever it is that they've said the word is. I hope I haven't actually <laughs> accidentally <laughs> uncovered the actual word. We'll have to change it, girls. Sorry. <laughs> it's like a password. You've got to have like an exclamation mark and neat raffle. Zeros. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's really interesting. So Deb Weber, she's going to be the one. Wow. So whoever dies first will go to Deb and ask, have you got a message for me, mm-hmm. from my dead sister. Wow. I love that. I'm actually going to do it. I'm going to, next time I speak to my sister, Steph, I'm going to say to her, let's have secret word only you and I know and let's do it because I feel like that's going to be proof. That's the proof. Do you remember we watched that show on Netflix called something about dying? Oh, the one where it was all about... Passing over or... Yeah, and and people were, you know, were pronounced dead, but then they came back and they were seeing the light. Yeah, or uh, the lady who was in the canoe, the canoe lady who died for a while and then came back. Because there was an episode where there was a bird. They were convinced it was their mother. Yes, yes. I feel like maybe that has happened before where there's a certain word or something that only that person would know. But do you remember there was a bird situation with a story from uh, Eavesdropper? No, it was Brian Cox's wife, Nicole Ansari Cox, who is, by the way, amazing. Follow her on Instagram because she's really making a stand against the Iranian regimes at the moment. I'm not going to get political on this podcast, but go and have a little look at her uh, Instagram. It's very interesting. Yes, when her father died, there was a bird in the room. A bird flew in yes. and sat on him mm. when, as he was dying or just after he died, I think. And it had gone over to the photos, hadn't it? Yes. The photos in the room of her and her mother. Yeah, it was a really, really chilling story. I mean, chilling in a way of like, whoa, but actually really quite sweet too. Birds and death mm. are very kind of intertwined, aren't they? I think so. Yeah, mm. I do. I mean, I guess I could ask... The spiritualist. No, how would a bird enter this? No, I just want a word. What? I think Lucy is on the right track. <laughs> you were going to ask a spiritualist if you could bring your bird in. My, no, how I was, can I bring a bird into this situation? Well, no, it was more like, oh, if my sister dies, um, come back to me as a bird. Well, no, let's do the word thing. So, <laughs> Steph. It's much cheaper. Getting in touch. So, yeah, thank you very much for that hot tip, Lucy. I I love it. I think it's amazing. And thank you. Thank you for continuing to be an eavesdropper. It's so lovely when people stick with us. Yes, all of you. Eavesdroppers one and all. <laughs> thank you. We love it that you're here. And uh, also, don't forget, we've got our Patreon page as well, where you will be getting goodies, extras and other things that we like to put on there. Yes. I think we should get badges for each patron yes we should do that and we will do that all coming in the new year it's all happening kids it is but for now i've got a story to share with you oh do tell do tell so 
I, I'm actually excited about this one because I hadn't heard about this mysterious case. And it mm. has, well, actually, it doesn't have aliens, but it could have aliens. So what are you on about? So you know I love a good UFO mystery. Yeah, but you've just said it's going to be about aliens, but it's not about aliens. So now I'm really confused. Well, what about UFOs? Could it? Oh, okay. Right. It's yes. a UFO mystery. Oh, okay. I'll give you that. Yes. You can have it. So I'm taking you to Canada to uh-huh. look at what is probably Canada's most well-known unsolved US- USB stick. UFO. USB. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's such an unsolved USB it's an unsolved UFO okay. mystery. Great. So cast your mind back. Actually, don't even bother. Just listen to me. Right. May 20, 1967. So a guy called uh, Stefan Michalak. I don't actually know if that's how you pronounce it. Michalak. Michalak. Yep. Anyway, Stefan, we're calling him. He set off into the wilderness around Falcon Lake, which is about 150K east of Winnipeg. And I didn't actually know where Winnipeg was, so I looked it up. Yep. It's in the province of Manitoba, Mm. and it's actually not too far from the U.S. border across two states, North Dakota and Minnesota. Mm -hmm. So Stefan was 51 at this point. Why do people walk off into the wilderness like that, though? Why? Well, you'll find out because he was an industrial mechanic, but he was also a bit of an amateur uh, geologist. Yeah. And his hobby was going out into the wilderness around Falcon Lake um, prospecting for quartz oh, and silver. Okay, yeah, that was his. That was his thing. Oh. You know, he'd go out with his little pickaxe and he'd he'd look around and and go mining. And I think he was quite good at it and finding you know valuable bits of, of quartz and whatnot. Mm. Because in 1966, a year earlier, he'd staked some claims on a bit of land, and in 1967, on the May long weekend he decided to go and explore a bed of quartz he'd found along the Precambrian Shield, which I think was on part of the land that he'd found quartz on and he was quite excited about it. So as he was poking around, looking into the quartz kind of that he'd found, he was sort of pulled out of his focus because he heard this gaggle of geese nearby suddenly just go crazy and start honking and flapping around and so he was kind of looking around like what the fuck's going on and he looked up into the sky and he saw two cigar shaped (gasps) objects with a reddish glow just hovering in the sky really close about 45 meters away from where he was Mm -hmm. and then while he was looking at these things in the sky one of them started descending oh no Oh, yeah. One stayed in the air. The other one started descending. Is it dark? No. Oh, God. No, it's not dark. It's not dark, dark. I don't know which I prefer, dark or not dark. Well, it probably got dark. Yeah. Well, because this story takes some time. Mm. So, basically, it landed on a flat section of rock right near him. And, look, I'm taking this this account from interviews he gave at the time. Where he said, after the UFO landed, it actually turned from a cigar shape into more of a a disc shape. So he saw it kind of change? Or was it perspective? 
Well, exactly. I don't know whether yeah. it was morphing into a new shape or if as it landed, he sort of got a better look at it and he could mm. see that it was more of a disc than a cigar mm. or whether or not it went from cigar and started like put the wheels out on a oh, plane. Maybe yeah. it was, you know, some things Mechanical. were coming out yeah. yeah, to make it more like able to land. I don't know. But once it had landed, he said it was definitely more sort of saucer shaped than cigar, which is what the other one still hovering looked like. Still looked like. Okay. Yes. Wow. So while that one landed, the other one did hover, as I said, but then mm-hmm. it flew off. Okay. So he didn't really know what he was looking at because he's like, what the fuck is this? It's just landed in the middle of nowhere. So he's standing in front of it? Not so much in front of it. He's 45 meters away. Oh, how, how far is that? I would say from... It's not far. It's not far. It's here to the bus stop. Okay. So he could see, he got a good view of it. Really good view. Really good view. Wow. And I know for people who don't understand how far the bus stop is, it's not far. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> from here to any old random bus stop. <laughs> so he was like, what the fuck is this? And look, his first thought was that it was a US military aircraft uh, because he's right I mean, give or take, he is very near the American border. Mm -hmm. And he thought, it's so weird that it must be some kind of secret test mission with some kind of new aircraft that they're building. Remember, we're in 1967, so we haven't even had the moon landing, but I'm sure there's a lot of talk and whatnot about it. And he thought, I bet this has landed because they're having some technical difficulties. Mm. And, you know, he's a a mechanical engineer so anyway he thought I'll just leave it but he didn't have a camera because in those days he didn't travel with one and it's not you know no one has like an iPhone or anything but he did have a sketch pad so he takes it out and he starts sketching and drawing this UFO next best thing to an iPhone yeah pen and paper people yeah old school the thing was he just took his time he wasn't quick about doing this sketch And he reckons he spent about half an hour sketching this thing. So he's just sitting there, like, really taking his time. So nothing's getting out of it. Nothing's getting out of it. And I don't know why he thought this was a good idea. But he thought to himself, I'm going to go over and check this thing out. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he packed up his sketching stuff and he started walking towards it. And the first thing he realized was that as he was walking closer, the air suddenly seemed a whole lot warmer the closer he got. And then he said there was also a really strong smell of sulfur. Oh. And he said he could hear the whirring of motors (gasps) and a hissing of air sound. Oh, my God. He also said as he approached, he could hear voices. Really? And he said they sounded human. Oh, my God. He couldn't make out what they were saying. And remember, at this point, he still thinks it's a military craft. Well, it sounds like it bloody well is, to be honest. Did you, do you remember Rendlesham? This is what I'm thinking about right now. And it's around this time mm. that Rendlesham happened mm. in the past. And the one that they said they were near, it went quiet when they got near it. But it was changing colours and it seemed more kind of organic. Well, put a pin in all that because, like I said, he, th- he heard voices, but he couldn't make out what they were saying. And then they stopped. And then he was just being kind of friendly. So he yelled out, hey, guys, 
Yeah, because he thought they were Yankee boys. So oh. he was like, hey, Yankees, kind of thing. Fancy ride. Well, no, he yelled out, hey, do you need any any help? I'm a mechanic. Do you need any help? Oh. So, but, you know, like I said, he's an industrial mechanic. He's not scared? He's not scared because he thinks this is military craft. What? Even if it was military, I'd be shitting myself. Yeah, me too. And you? Yeah, of course I bloody yeah. would. And like I said, he says the voices went quiet. No one answered oh. him. So... So Stefan is actually of Polish descent. Uh-huh. He's like, oh, well, maybe I'll just yell out in all the languages I knew. Uh, or no. So he started yelling out in his native Polish, then in Russian. Dude oh. knows Russian. Then he yells out in German. I mean, clever guy. He's got all the languages. Perfect person to stumble across a UFO. <laughs> Especially if he thinks it's a military and he's speaking Russian. Like, oh, crazy. But thing is, not a peep from that. UFO, nothing. And all he could hear, no more voices, just the whir and the hiss of this spacecraft. Instead of turning away and going back to his quartz prospecting, which is probably what I would have done, no, no, he decides he's going to go closer and check it out. As he got closer, he saw that the outside of this thing, of this ship, this spaceship, was super super smooth with no seams so no Rendlesham yep there was no markings like it was just a complete perfect how big was it do you think he says it the ship was around 10.5 meters long and about 4.5 meters high small Mm -hmm. I hadn't even thought about Rendlesham but yeah it's exactly like Rendlesham yeah it is yep and the thing is He'd never seen anything that looked like this before. So he was like, wow, what the fuck is this military craft? And then he checked out the whole thing. Like he walked around it looking for any kind of like identifying insignia that might give him a clue as to whether if it was a military craft, did it have any writing on it, any identifying marks or numbers or flags? I think there was some on the Rendlesham craft, wasn't there? Because similar to your chap, the... Military personnel who stumbled across the craft in Rendlesham Forest, Mm. they said they did see some hieroglyphics on the side and they spent a lot of time drawing as well. That's right. Well, there was nothing on this, not even hieroglyphics. It completely, completely smooth. And the thing is, as he got closer, it suddenly didn't start to look like metal. It looked like coloured glass. Oh! Yeah. Yeah. And he said that when the UFO landed, the body of the of the spacecraft started mm. to change in colour from grey to red. And the whole thing had like a golden glow around it, even though it was glowing red in the sky. This is mad. Yeah, it gets worse. He then uh. realised that there was a doorway that had suddenly opened up. Oh, no. And it was brightly lit. It was on the side of the UFO and he was like, fuck, what's inside? It's tiny. He wanted to take a closer look. Did he? Thing is, interestingly, because he was prospecting, he used welding goggles mm. when he was chipping away at all the quartz so he didn't get like fragments in his eyes. So he got those out and he put those on and he put his gloves on as well. He had like, you know, workman gloves or whatever. And He's so prepared. Yeah, but I, I kind of get it because, you know, if, if you've got a pickaxe, you don't want to get blisters, so you, you're wearing gloves. And you, you've got goggles to protect your eyes, so I get it. So anyway, he popped those on, 
And he he looked inside the doorway. And honestly, mm. I, at this point, I'm reading this going, don't do it, Stefan. Don't do it. Don't look inside. <laughs> but he went there and he looked inside and he said he saw light beams and panels of different colored flashing lights. But that was all wow. he could see. He couldn't see anyone in there, despite the fact he'd heard those voices earlier. There was no one in there at all that he could see. And then he was like, oh, fuck. So he's looking around. He sort of took a step back and was like, oh, that's weird. Then three panels, boom, slid across the door opening <gasps> and sealed it shut. Which I'm telling you, if that happened to me, I would be freaking out. Run screaming yes! from the crowd. I would. I'd be running like away like crazy. But what did he do? He didn't run. No. And he touched it. Oh. He touched the fucking ship. And as he as he touched it, the fingertips of his glove melted. Oh, dear. Yep. I knew it was going to be hot. I knew it. And then suddenly it started moving, just moving, moving, and it began to turn around anti-clockwise. As it started moving, he saw a panel on the side of it that was basically a grid of holes. And as he was looking at this grid and wondering, what the fuck is that? Out of nowhere, he was struck in the chest by a powerful (gasps) blast of air, or maybe it was gas, that shot out of the grid through the holes. And the force of the blast was so strong that it pushed him backwards and it set his Mm. shirt and his cap on fire. Oh, my gosh. And obviously he's fucking panicking because he's on fire. His clothes are on fire. Anyway, he starts screaming and he rips his shirt off, throws his cap off. He was there to help them. And look what they've done to him, the buggers. Those bastard aliens. Or or are they? <laughs> or people from another dimension. Who knows? Or from another time. Exactly. Or from another military base. Who knows? Because like I said, this is a mystery. Just keep that in mm. mind. All right. Basically, he managed to rip his shirt off and the, and his cap, which were both on fire. And this all happened as the spaceship lifted off the ground and flew away. But at this point, he is not in a good way. He's freaked out. Burnt. He's disoriented. Yeah, he's burned. And he knows that part of the the wilderness really, really well. But he's nauseous. And in fact, he says he was just stumbling through like the forest, throwing up. It, he would just he felt really, really sick. Oh, and no. somehow he eventually managed to make his way back to the motel where he was staying in Falcon Lake. And he rested a little bit and then he I don't know how, but he managed to get himself on a bus back to Winnipeg where he immediately went to the hospital to get checked out because, like I said, he's not good. And when he gets to the hospital, they treat him for burns to his chest and stomach. It turns out that after a few days, these burns actually turn into these really awful, nasty-looking raised sores. And, get this... The likes of which they've never seen before. Well. Possibly. Maybe. But the burns were in the exact perfect grid. Of the thing that it came out of. Yes. And I've seen a picture, Geordie. I've actually seen a picture. Put Put a link. Put a link. I will. I will. So he's lying in what I think is the hospital with his pajama shirt open. And he looks like he's dead. Like his eyes are closed. Oh, poor guy. And this pattern of circles... Imagine if somebody 
like got an iron and burned you, but kind of in reverse. So you know how an iron has the holes in it? Yeah. It's like only the holes were the bits that were burned. Oh, the God. rest of his skin wasn't. Like it, it was just really, really awful. And it's weird. But also it, like the burns aren't bandaged, which I think is a bit weird. But I don't know how bad the burns were. Something to think about. But for weeks afterwards, poor old Stefan, he, he had diarrhea. He had headaches. He had blackouts. He had weight loss. He wasn't loss. in a good way at all. No, he was completely traumatised by it all. And in oh, fact, guy. I did read that he went to the Mayo Clinic to have the burns looked at. and In London? No, no, in Canada. There's a Mayo Clinic oh, okay. in, in Canada. But maybe it's like a, a chain. Maybe. <laughs> or, you know, like highly recognised hospitals. They sort of looked into it because they thought... The burns and the way he physically was with feeling sick and all of everything that was going on, mm. they thought it was consistent with radiation poisoning. But right. they did tests in Manitoba and all came up negative for radiation. Mm. And apparently Stefan also lost six kilos when he was in the hospital because he was wow. so ill he couldn't eat. He couldn't eat solid mm. food. And that poor guy. Yeah. And they tested everything. And his lymphocyte count felt it like basically almost lethal levels. Hmm. And I looked into lymphocytes because I didn't really know what they were. And they're the white blood cells in your body that are part of your immune system. And they fight disease and infection. Step me up. Stats. Well, his were fucked after his burns and apparently for years afterwards as well. And this is also freaky. Apparently, basically for the rest of his life, he continued to suffer from reappearances of those burns on his body. Oh, like when you get bitten by a monitor lizard or whatever and it what? comes back. Yeah, that, that's what they say when you get uh, Maybe it's not a monitor lizard, it's a Komodo dragon. Really? I think so. When you get bitten, there's a poison in their teeth and... Obviously, you get really sick, mm -hmm. but that pain comes back, like, year after year, reappears, manifests. That's, that's crazy, isn't it? Well, look, maybe... I think. Maybe this is something like that. I, I don't know. I really don't know, but that's, that's interesting, and I think there's a theory about that down the line. But anyway, somehow, and I don't know whether it was, you know, hospital or rumours, or actually it might have been Stephanie himself, but... The story of Stefan suffering from these burns caused by a UFO, it ran in the Winnipeg Tribune newspaper. And yeah. it was not long before every fucking newspaper in the country picked up this story. They liked it. Oh, yeah, they fucking loved it. Hot for it. But according to Stefan's son, Stan, for the family, that is exactly when shit hit the fan because people couldn't get enough of this story. And look, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, the Air Force, yeah. the media, government agencies, and mm. of course, like UFO hunters and busybodies, and they were all descending on Stefan's house and the town, Falcon Lake, because they were like, wow, this is fucking incredible. And from that minute on there were people knocking on the door wanting to know more there were phone calls you know media was camping outside the house um mm. i think even men in black there was a <gasps> mention of that yes wow yeah and just people hounding the family 
for years it threw the family into chaos. Mm. And because of this, uh, Stefan's son, Stan, says that right up until the day Stefan died in 1999 at the age of 83, Stefan just wished he'd kept his mouth shut. Really? Yeah, because he was really upset about how this story just turned their lives upside down in the family. And he didn't want the attention. So he's not some guy making up a story, you know, to like have attention or a book deal or anything like that. Yeah. You know, he didn't want that. No. Wow. And actually, Stan goes on to say that in 1967, apparently Stefan felt it was his duty to talk about it because before Stefan moved his family to Canada from Poland, he was a military policeman. So I think that shows that he's not, you know, easily... Shaken up or scared. Yeah, by these well, things. Well, you approached that thing several yeah, times. Did. Yeah, I wouldn't have fucking done that. He also was trained to report things to authorities. And, you know, the thing is he didn't know if what he saw was going to come back. And he felt it was his duty to warn people that if they also saw it, don't don't, don't do what he close. did. Yeah, basically, yeah. stay away. He's that sick. Yeah. Honestly, it sounds like he actually had a lucky escape. You know, worse things could have happened to him than just being burned. I mean, you know, they could have taken him on board or whatever. But anyway, yeah. after this story blew up and, you know, the family was hounded by the press, of course, people started saying he made it up, that he was crazy. Um, Stan started to get bullied at school. Oh. And the thing is, through all the shit that went on with, for this family, and Stefan did regret talking about it he did for his whole life he's stuck by his story you know he interestingly I know that I said it could be aliens but that's my take because (laughs) you think it's aliens I do you don't think it's the military secret no aliens I always Mm. think it's aliens however right up until the day that uh, Stefan died he never ever claimed that it was aliens or that it was a UFO well, what did he think? He just kept his line. It was a. It was the military. It was the military. Because well, he he heard voices and he recognised the voices. He did as being human. He thought they were human. Look, even his even his son won't say that it's aliens. No, because they don't think it is. No, but obviously I do. I think it's aliens. But <laughs> doesn't take much to lead you up that road. Uh, look, I get why they why they won't say it's aliens or a UFO, and it's because uh, there's no evidence one way or another, to say Mm. it was aliens. But also, to be fair, there's no evidence to say that it's military. So they're going with military. There's no evidence to say anything, to be (laughs) honest, Michelle. Well, do you know what? (laughs) Look, I get that it's a a logical explanation, but it's a strange thing because Stan, in this article I read, he says he's a massive aviation fanatic and he's super into how aviation technology has advanced in the past 50 years since his dad saw this thing and he says there was nothing even remotely close technologically or even in the works anywhere in the world at that time Hmm. to what his dad saw if it was military they were massively ahead of the game and the whole world or from a different time you see i can't believe it you're taking the piss because i think it's aliens (laughs) and you're like it's time travelers time travelers i know i don't really know if i think that at all but i'd like to keep my mind open open minds people open minds you have to but look obviously 
something like this really captures people's imaginations and well it's such a mystery isn't it, it? Is. and and there were investigations into this although to be fair if it was military stuff like Stefan thought it was unless it gets declassified we're never going to know right well hasn't it been no, no it hasn't but anyway after the whole thing blew up in the media Stefan was questioned by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police the Royal mm-hmm. Canadian Air Force and a few other government agencies and eventually a search was carried out by pretty much all the top brass, including, in Canada, the Department of Health and the Department of National Defence, the police, the Air Force and in a, an American group called the Aerial Phenomena Research Organisation and the United States Air Force. They wow. got involved. They started doing their own investigations. Who's Aerial Phenomena Research Group? That's not MUFON, is it? No. No. No, it's not. But I think I should do some research into that, didn't? Sorry. They reckon the Air Force uh, turning up was part of the Condon Committee. Who? We've talked about that before, and I'll put a link to it. So the Condon Committee was actually the name of the University of Colorado UFO Project, which was funded by the United States Air Force from 1966 to 1968. This happened in 1967. And the University of Colorado were basically paid by the Air Force to study unidentified flying objects. Well, well, well. They showed up. And look, That's a lot of people and a lot of agencies looking for clues. Hmm. And the thing is that Stefan was too sick to be part of the initial search when they were searching the area. But once he was feeling better, and I mean, he was in hospital this whole time, so he never went back to the site until he went back with um, uh, the military. They found something. What did they find? A 4.5 metre circle of burned vegetation at the site, oh. Oh. which I think is fucking amazing. Vindication. But yep. that's not all, Geordie. What else? Little tiny footprints? No. <laughs> Something more curious, actually. When Ooh. authorities investigated the area, they discovered this really weird thing. In the cracks of the rocks was melted metal filling up the rocks. Right. So, basically... I don't know what it was. I don't think as a as a human you can do that. Like how the fuck do you pour red hot molten metal into cracks of rocks? I've just had a thought as well. Okay. Why did it land, do you think, and the other one took off? And do you think, you know, you said before that you could hear voices. He mm-hmm. could he, he could hear voices. I wonder if it was just radio chatter. Could have been. And there was no one on board. Could have been. I don't know. But they definitely knew he was looking because they shut that fucking door quick smart Mm. after he got there and was looking around inside the craft. Mm. But look, I mean, even seeing the the burned circle and also like the metal in the rocks, it wasn't enough for a lot of people. And of course, it it didn't take long for people to, to... you know, point the finger at poor old Stefan that it was all a hoax. And it was mm. mooted yes. that his burns happened because he was fucking pissed as a far and out right. of his mind out on Falcon Lake. And, you know, that he made the whole story up to cover up these burns. Right. 
Why is he so sick? Well, I don't know. And also, why would you make up a fucking story about a UFO and tell it to the papers if you just were drunk? Like, just don't tell anyone that you're drunk and like, oh, yeah, fell over on a fire. Exactly. Just don't tell anyone. No, it was stupid. Um, And also, those burns are weird. It just, yeah, it's strange. Mm. It's a bit too elaborate. And don't you think like the whole media frenzy would make you just go, okay, I'm sorry, I made it up. Yeah. Sorry. Calling bullshit on this now. Move on. Nothing to see here. And then there were people who thought that he made up the whole story to avoid people going prospecting at the area where the quartz was. That would make sense because it was quartz rich. It was. Rich for days. But if that was his aim, it fucking blew up in his face because more people went to that site looking for the UFOs. So if he wanted to keep that spot secret, no. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. It hasn't got legs. And then people... That's not running anywhere. It's not running anywhere. Um... (laughs) And then people came up with theories about his burns and yeah. the fact that, as I told you, they would come back it's over the years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, and people were saying, oh, it's an allergic reaction to something and that's what's happening. But to what? You know, he had tests. No one could find anything that he was allergic to. And, I mean, like, look, it could be possible. I have an open mind to that, but there was no evidence. And then with this metal in the rocks... Uh, there were theories that it was planted there to make the hoax more plausible. But right. I feel like that's a lot of effort to heat up metal, pour it into these cracks. You have to get metal super hot to be able to do that. It's yeah. a big operation. Like, who's doing that shit? Thing is, after all these investigations by all those different authorities, the investigation by the US Air Force ended up basically inconclusive. And the same with the Canadian police and the same with the Canadian armed forces. All their reports were like, we don't know. And oh. in fact, the report from the Canadian police emphasised the fact that despite all their efforts, they were unable to explain Stefan's injuries, especially his burns. And ultimately hmm. the conclusion, the official conclusion from everyone, including the United States Air Force, was that the case was unexplained and to this day, it still remains a mystery. Wow. That's it. That's all i got. And that's the story that of the poor man who got very sick and then completely hounded and then not believed and then told he was telling lies and hounded to the day he died. Yep, pretty much. And if that's not a lesson to keep your mouth shut if you see a UFO, just tell your loved ones Don't or tell touch. us. <laughs> just tell us. Do not touch, do not approach and do not tell. But you have to tell us. I'd love to see a, a UFO in theory, but I don't know. I think I'd be too I'd, fucking scared. I'd, I wouldn't. Mm. I don't need that in my no, I don't really. existential crisis. I can just talk about it. I think it's a mystery I hadn't heard of before. And ah. yeah. What's it known as? Is there a name to it? The Falcon Lake UFO Falcon Lake incident. Mystery. Yeah. I'd like to see the pictures of Of Stefan. I'd like to see the pictures of Stefan. Yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. He shows the goggles he wore, he shows oh. the burns. Yeah, it's really it's really it's creepy. Incredible, isn't it? So yeah, that's it. That's all I got for you. Oh well that's great, Michelle. Thank you so much. I hope that you do more than just wash pots on New Year's Eve. <laughs> I probably won't be washing pots. Hopefully I'll be necking back the champagne. 
And if not, I'll be at home necking a bottle on my own. Well, that was 2022. You've spent hopefully almost all of it, if not some of it, with us, listening to us chitter chatter. And we really appreciate you for it because without you, there'd be no point. We could talk to each other, but then we wouldn't need to record it, would we? But you say you like it, so we're going to keep doing it. (laughs) We are. And we've got a lot more real life, true crime. True crime. Supernatural. For you in the new year. In 2024. So we'd like to. Oh. Oh, my God. Just give me you. One, two, skip a few, 29.30. Yeah, You're sorry. not even drunk. I know. Um, yeah, sorry, 2023, of course. Why am I skipping ahead? I don't know. You're too excited. You're too I am excited. excited and I'm excited mm-hmm. for all of you eavesdroppers. I wish nothing but the best for you going forward. Keep talking to us. Keep writing in. Keep telling us your stories because it helps us. Sign up to Patreon if you can spare a couple of dollars to help us get better at what we do and to provide you with extra content sign up to our social media we've got eavesdropping underscore that's our instagram we've got facebook eavesdropping that's a group yes (laughs) and we've got a website with everything on there and we're on youtube and we're on spotify and we're over at acast we are and of course we're on apple and wherever you get good podcasts and once again we do Love you. Thank you for being eavesdroppers. Happy New Year. Happy we New wish you Year. all the best. Absolutely. And until 2024, you know all you Three. need to do. Oh, oh my God. Oh, no. <laughs> Let me start oh that again. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Why are we missing a year? I, I hope that's not an omen. All right. Until 2023, dear eavesdroppers, you must never forget to, whatever you do, wherever you are, just just keep eavesdropping.